Before we get started, a special thank you is in order to our friends over at Stanley Customs. Stanley Customs creates amazing custom sports figurines for all you athletes out there. Right now, our listeners will get 15% off their order and all interviewees will get 25% off of their order simply by going to Stanley underscore Customs on Instagram and telling them that Globally Ballin sent you. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Globally Ballin podcast, a product of the Globally Ballin podcast network we have a fantastic interview for you today so sit back and enjoy and thank you all for joining us one more time here's the music i gotta let you go finish the game with a broken hand yeah finish the game with- i'm rio 2016 silver medalist and asian games 2018 gold medalist young man how do you use a celebrity for good you know, it's, uh, up until that point, most of us, as athletes, were taught how to use a celebrity to manipulate, to get a girl, to get famous, whatever it is. We're hours away from kind of the nearest hospital to end up losing his leg over. I don't think a lot of people know the opportunities there are actually to play overseas, especially in the women's category. Actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. Had a couple guys get robbed at gunpoint, um, and one of them was just like, "Yeah, get me out." At the same time, there are some who would still keep their nine to five jobs because the pay for being an athlete isn't enough. Don't complain when we look like idiots abroad in these big tournaments. What league or country gave you the best pay contract-wise? Probably Turkey my last season. Okay. This week, we visit a sport and scenario we've never covered before. We've talked about soccer once, but it was international and men. This week... It's women's soccer and the opportunities that are here both in the United States and outside of the United States. As we talk with Claire Winter, a star soccer player from UCLA, now playing overseas in Puerto Rico. Just recently, Time announced their Player of the Year, Time Magazine, or Sportsman of the Year. Athlete of the Year, sorry. Time Magazine has announced their athlete of the year and they gave it to the entire u.s women's national soccer team the reason they're they've been given this honor is mostly because of their recent world cup winning in 2019 but over the past decade or so they have really dominated the sport of soccer the women's national team has won the world cup in 1991 1999 2015 and 2019 that's out of eight appearances first one in 1991. When it comes to the Olympics, they've had six appearances. Four of them resulted in a gold medal. It's no secret that the women's U.S. soccer team is a dominant force in the world of international soccer. I should add the Olympic Games, four gold, one of them was also silver. So out of those six appearances, five had a medal. (laughs) It's a decent average. Uh, So Claire's going to talk and discuss with us about what opportunities are out there, what did it look like for her as a female soccer player um, growing up in soccer, going to a school that historically is a very successful soccer school? 
Um, and then, you know, how did she decide what comes next? Uh, representation, all of those questions. What led her to where she is today? Like uh, in all our interviews, we like to focus on what brought them to where they are today. What were the steps that led to that? So you, all you athletes out there specifically, maybe today is any of you female soccer players out there that have no idea what this might look like. Claire is going to give you an example uh, by telling it through her lens and her story, it's, which is fantastic and, and, and very helpful and um, hopefully helps you understand what this world looks like. Uh, I also note that we have some good conversation about this idea of how successful the women's national soccer team has been and how that correlates to how soccer is being represented, specifically well, women's soccer is being represented in the United States. A little bit of comparison with the, the never-ending discussion between the representation of the men's soccer team versus the representation of the women's soccer team and how they're being um, taken care of and, and all of these different arguments that go with it we really like we have a great conversation dissecting how soccer in general is represented in the united states and how it may differ between men and women now that's not the crux of the entire interview uh that's a good portion of it or that's a good strong part of it but uh the vast majority is claire telling her story so claire's gonna give you some fantastic insight as i always say because all my interviewees have given fantastic insight and stories on uh, their journey and their experiences and um, Claire specifically I want to say does a great job giving you the the pros and cons and the things to look for and the things to look out for which I think are very helpful those are the quick bullet points for you as a maybe a soccer player going all right this is something I need to look out for this is the thing I need to make sure doesn't happen uh, and also Claire's going to give us her opinion her insight on how uh, she thinks soccer, women's soccer, is going to grow in the United States um, and kind of comparing it with the recent growth we see in the MLS. So uh, thank you very much to my, my guest this week, Claire Winter, star player from UCLA, um, now playing in Puerto Rico and um, excited about what the future may bring. So uh, enjoy the episode. Thank you to Claire and thank you to all of you for listening. Enjoy. Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by an additional sponsor. We are now also brought to you by Creating Young Minds. Creating Young Minds is a nonprofit out of Louisville, Texas, right outside of Dallas. You may remember we've had an episode in the past with the founders of Creating Young Minds, Dr. Shira Ackerman and Coach Mathis Crowder. Creating Young Minds strives to help young men achieve success in their life where they may not have otherwise achieved that success. One way they do this is through their new basketball team. The Louisville Yellow Jackets, affiliated with Creating Young Minds, play in TBL, the Basketball League, and through a combination of their nonprofit as well as their basketball team, Creating Young Minds and the Louisville Yellow Jackets are doing their best to bring the European model of basketball to the United States. That is Creating Young Minds. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, basically everywhere. Find creating young minds check them out see what they're all about and when the tbl league rolls around once again keep an eye out for the lewisville yellow jackets thank you hello hi claire this is aaron hi aaron how are you good how are you good awesome um so to start off let's just jump right into it and have yeah. you introduce who you are and what it is that you do Okay. 
My name is Claire Winter, and I'm a professional soccer player for Puerto Rico Soul in Mayaguez. Okay. Um, starting off, where did you begin soccer? Let's start start with high school. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I didn't play high school soccer because um, I did this thing called ODP, which is Olympic Development Program. Okay. And I was playing club soccer all year round, so high school soccer wasn't a very prominent time for me. Uh, but during that time, I... Um, did a lot of sport uh, or soccer practice with my club team. I was traveling all over the country with regional and national teams in my early teenage and mid-teenage years. And then when I was six, 15, I committed to UCLA. How did you get into that early program early on? ODP or... Yeah, ODP. Yeah, it was just something that my mom found out about when I was about 11 years old. It definitely was more of a jump starter to national teams back in the day. Now there's so many other things that you could do to get seen, but that was definitely the number one way to get noticed. And since I was four years old, all I've wanted to do is become a professional soccer player. And obviously I have aspirations to go to the Olympics and the World Cup still. So my mom knowing that found out about it and she was like, wow, Claire, you just get to play soccer more. So this is a win-win for both of us. And well, one of the things, you know, young athletes have to choose between is different sports it sounds like that wasn't yeah. really an issue for you no it definitely wasn't although I did love pretty much every sport I played I loved basketball but luckily I didn't stick with basketball because I actually only ended up being 5'3 so that sport wouldn't have worked out for me but I did swim team I played golf I did tennis I pretty much did the whole thing but I always knew soccer would be end game and when it came to picking I was not bummed out that I picked soccer so ODP was a big reason why you were able to commit to UCLA at 15 or 16. But um, yes. do you think it would have been possible for you to commit or get that opportunity had you not done ODP? Oh, yes. Through club tournaments back then, Surf Cup, it's still a huge tournament. Getting noticed by college coaches. Also just being proactive because I always say you are your best advocate. So that also means going to the college ID camps. I mean, there's hundreds of ways to get seen. That was just more of like more of a way to get seen because I had experience at all these different types of levels. You're more appealing to college coaches, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, all right. So that brings you to um, UCLA. Walk us through the, your time at UCLA. Yeah. Um, I definitely came in a, a wide-eyed freshman thinking, you know, I'd uh, be a huge asset. I would help out a lot, but that wasn't the case. We actually ended up winning my freshman year and every teammate contributed. However, I didn't play that much because we have a bunch of girls that were starting who played in the world this past World Cup, like Abby Dahl Kemper, Sam Mewis, and then oh, wow. there's about 12 girls that are in the NWSL right now. So there's definitely a fair share of competition. And what I'll say is every day I got better at UCLA because you're playing against the best players in the country and the world, the highest caliber players. Uh, definitely though, I made a name for myself. I had to play out of position my whole time at UCLA just because sometimes when you get put into a college situation, it's either you're going to play here or you're not going to play. So I actually ended up playing holding midfield where I am actually attacking midfield where I'm back playing my position now at, at my professional stage, which I'm super excited about. Um, my, I actually redshirted my sophomore year because I had mono. So I didn't play my whole sophomore year, which gave me three more years, which I was super excited about. And then came my senior year. I was co-captain of the 
my team and we made it to the finals against Stanford, which I'm super excited because they're playing Stanford again in the semifinals this year. So it's going to be a showdown. But unfortunately, in 2017, we lost to Stanford in the finals. So we were national runners up. But I definitely became a better player. I bagged a national championship and a national final and I loved my teammates. That was the main reason. Uh, what kept me going at UCLA was my teammates. It sounds like um, California is kind of a hotbed for women's soccer. Am I accurate there? Yes, I would say so. Now the only thing missing is an NWSL team. We're waiting for that franchise, someone to, to poke at. So hopefully there's a bid there soon for either a Northern California team or a Southern California team. But definitely a lot of good players come out of the California area. Do you have Not just, n- n- what? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, do you have any sort of inkling whether or not there's going to be a team out there anytime soon? I heard rumors about Sacramento, which I would love because I'm a Bay Area native, so that's not that far from home. But they haven't announced it yet, so I'm kind of getting a little bit doubtful because I feel like as if it was going to happen, it would be announced by now. So, but I And I have a feeling that uh, the... LAFC team is going to get a women's team because they're doing super well right now and I know they want to expand it via hands obviously one of the part owners and I think that will be the next place that there would be a women's team there in Sacramento in California okay so um, following your time um, at UCLA what brought how did how were you brought into the professional circuit so I actually put my name in the draft and unfortunately I didn't get drafted, but I wasn't super discouraged because I sort of knew I wanted to go play abroad a little bit. So I actually ended up going to this academy in Spain called Tova, which is run by Todd Bean, who is father, his father-in-law is Johan Cruyff, which is a soccer legend. I mean, he's okay. one of the best players to play the game. So he runs this academy and he had connections. So I went over there for three months right after I graduated in December 2017. So I showed up in Spain at the beginning of February and I had a bunch of trials with Spanish clubs. I trialed with uh, Valencia, Levante, Alpacete and Espanol and ultimately I picked Espanol. So I played with Espanol for nine months, but because of my player credentials, I wasn't able to play for the first five months. So that was a little discouraging. I was pretty frustrated with how everything was going with my visa. And then I ended up leaving there in May and I came back to the States and I got a replacement contract because the World Cup was going on with Houston in May 2019 and I was with Houston from May to August. Um, And then they released me, but they wanted me to come back in March. So I wanted to find a gap uh, for the season to get extra touches, get game minutes, get my stats up. So currently that I found this opportunity. Uh, actually, my UCLA coach emailed me, Jenny Benden. She emailed me and said, we just got an email from this club in Puerto Rico. They're looking for players. And then I emailed them. And I go, well, I only want to be here for three months, even though the season's from November to May. And they go, that's perfect. Just come out. We will work it out. And so I've been here since the beginning of November, and it's been a great experience so far. And so um, you have been doing all this without an agent. Is it typical for... Um, professional female uh, soccer players to have an agent or is it kind of up in the air? How does that work? Actually, that's a very good question and I want to touch on this because while I was in Spain, I had no agent and I 100% got 
took an advantage of, especially not speaking. I speak Spanish now, but at the time I was looking at all these clubs, my Spanish was very poor, and I 100% got taken advantage of. So depending on what country you want to play in, I suggest you get an agent based out of that country, if that makes sense. I actually sort of had an agent that was English, but he didn't really have any connections in the U.S., so that was sort of a problem, but he had connections in Europe. So it all goes back and forth, but I 100% suggest you have an agent because doing it yourself is just a little confusing. How do they go about finding one as far as that goes, the agent? I mean, the soccer world is pretty small, so there's a few well-known names in the U.S. I mean, actually, I'm currently in a hunt for a new one so i've been reaching out to a few you also want to make sure that they have connections and they're not just telling you that as well as they don't have too many clients because that's also a problem i know a few of the agents have a lot of clients and then other clients obviously take priority over others so i think the best way to go about it is when you talk to them you get a good feeling they're all they're into you they think that you're great um just like the sign, like everyone, I always listen to my gut feeling. I know my first agent, my gut feeling wasn't great, but he seemed great at the time. But I've talked to this one woman who I'm super excited to work with. I haven't signed a contract with her yet, but just on the phone, I could tell this is a great match kind of thing. Is she American based? Yes. Okay. So, um, spent your time out in Spain. Like you said, now you're down in Puerto Rico. How is it going in Puerto Rico? It's actually going great. So I started off the season. My first game, I scored a hat trick. That was probably my first time I've scored wow. a hat trick since uh, high, around high school time. And it felt really good because I told you I was playing out of position. So playing in my attacking mid role, I was obviously able to help the team. And it was against our arch rivals in Puerto Rico. So a bunch of the girls who played for my team that I'm playing with now went to this other team. So it was a huge rivalry. And so I was super excited that I could get the win, help get the win for the, with the girls. And then I only played in one other game and I scored two goals and had two assists. So I've been getting my stats up and I need new film anyways. That's another really important thing I'd say is if you're trying to look to go overseas or playing in the States, one important aspect is to have really good film especially because my film was of me playing in a position I don't play. So it was really hard for teams to be like, oh, we want you, but wait, you say you play an eight, but it's in your film, it's a six. So getting great quality film is really important. Yeah, and that that's something that comes up over and over with every sport we talk about. Yep. I wanted to have you kind of touch on global women's soccer. And when looking at opportunities, obviously, um, if you're starting out, you probably don't want to turn a whole lot down, but what would be something that um, a typical women's soccer player might be looking for as far as an, uh, in a country to play in? Is the United States top option, or what kind of things are they looking for? I mean, obviously, there's a huge thing going on with equal pay, all that stuff. So, I mean, the U.S. is getting better, but... I feel like it depends on what you're looking for as a player because I know my intentions when I was looking for a team to play on. Yeah, I'll I'll play under any circumstances, but I was pretty knowing like I didn't want to play on a random team in Poland in the middle of nowhere. Sure. So I think you also have to know what you're looking for. And if, if you're fine with anything, then, I mean, hey, that's great. If you want to play in the middle of Poland in the freezing cold winter, like that's fine. 
but just not expecting too much. In in Spain, in the beginning, I wasn't getting paid. Like, it all depends. Again, that's where agents come in and contracts, but I know Australia is a great league to play in because they just got the equal pay thing going on. So that's great league to play in, but that's also only a three-month league. Obviously, the EPL, the Women's Premier League, is good because it's partnered with the males. So that one's up and coming, I feel. And Sam Kerr, one of the, I would say, not a, like she's the top player in the world right now. She's going to play for Chelsea. So I think that'll bring more traction to that EPL league. And especially when I went to Spain this past year, there was a lot of traction in women's soccer there. That was pretty much the pivotal year. Now it's gaining a lot more people following it, especially because there's the Barcelonas and the Atleticos. And obviously you're going to get paid more if you go to a top club. But I know when you're just starting out, I wouldn't expect it to be glitz and glamour, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it sure does. Is <laughs> um is any sort of equal pay thing holding players back from playing in the NWSL? Not yet. I'm trying to, Spain actually is set to go on strike, I believe, after January for more money because they're not getting paid enough i i know that they upped the minimum salary in the u.s from i believe it's it was sixteen thousand dollars to 20 so i mean that's a win but obviously it doesn't make sense with how good our u.s women's team is compared to the way that the women are getting paid so I'll always say the problem is when the women's soccer comes rolls around, the U.S. women, and they're playing in the World Cup, the Olympics, and obviously they're winning and doing all this. The NWSL peaks for about, I don't know, two months, but it always, for some reason, bottoms out. And I think that's the problem we need to fix. We have to like just keep it in the up, upward momentum and really tie it to the U.S. women's teams, like wanting to go see Juilliards and Malpew and Megan Rapinoe and seeing those players play live not just for the u.s national team but for their club teams as well so the fact that kind of the nwsl peaks and then kind of falls down like you said after yeah. world cup doesn't that yes. explain then why some of the players are paid less if the teams aren't bringing up nearly as much revenue when during yes. those falls 100 yes. and that's and i mean as a female soccer player i understand that i mean how can we get paid more if we don't sell tickets and if we sure. don't so it, it's it, it just stinks because yeah. I, I I am for equal pay, but I mean, you have to get the fans. You have to get the fair. You don't want the fair weather fans. You want the people who will be there all the time. And I mean, even I was talking with my dad about it. I mean, I feel like they need to approach it in a different way. Maybe my dad was suggesting being out more in the community, getting these girls to know who these women are, because obviously it's not like a, a Barcelona men's team where everyone knows who Messi is and everyone wants to go see Messi play. Like having these young female players or male players getting to know these uh, awesome women soccer players in the community and being more involved to just get more of a fan base, a consistent fan base. I think that's a that's a great idea and a great start. Um, I know. So um, <laughs> where are uh, when I. I dove into the NWSL just a little bit. I'm not an expert by any means, yeah. but one thing we I noticed Either is way. that there is a massive um, disparity in um, the amount of average attendance for certain teams. Like one team, uh, yeah. I think is it in Portland? Maybe not. I think it's one yeah, of them. The thorns, the thorns. Yes. Yeah. Um, compared to, I think the low end was Utah, but I'm not sure. I'd have to double check that. But I think it, Utah's on the higher. It might be Sky maybe Blue I flipped or it. Houston. Um, so there's just a massive difference between. 
uh, like the top and the bottom. Do you, I don't know if you're going to know this, but is there any sort of concern that a team on the bottom end won't last or is there any sort of safety net to hold them in? No. So that, that I mean, that kind of happened with the Boston Breakers when they folded. I mean, they just weren't making any money. So the owners were like, we can't continue to fund this. I think another great thing to do is what they need to do is start pairing them more, which they have because Kansas City moved to Utah and Utah has a men's MLS team. So I think pairing these teams with MLS franchises already gives you a fan base. So that's why I'm saying like LAFC would be great or even Sacramento because they have an awesome USL team. So if you already have that fan base for the men, it's trying to get them to go support the women, which is more likely if you have the male fans Mm. for the same club. But I know like Sky Blue, they don't have a male partner and they're probably struggling the most. Houston, I mean, the Houston Dynamos are great, but when you have like a team like Portland who has the Thorns and I'm like, and the Timbers, and then you have Seattle uh, Rain with the Seattle Sounders, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> so you think if, um, you think that the majority are just soccer fans, not necessarily men's soccer fans or women's soccer fans? I would love to hope so. And I think that's also needs to obviously change you're just trying to get encourage those people sure. to go to the women's game and really enjoy watching the women's game because it is a special game sure i mean yes it's very different than men's soccer so i understand why sometimes people don't but i also know people who like watching women's soccer better than men's soccer well, so i mean i think it's finding those people too well, i was going to ask if i thought if you thought <clears throat> that would actually bring unwanted competition but it sounds like and you bring a really good point that could actually bring a lot of support that i never would have thought of beforehand yeah, I um, totally agree. As the MLS continues to expand, they have a new... Where's their new one coming? Nashville? Is that next? Uh, yes. There's Nashville and oh. Austin coming in. Um, I don't know if those are next year or two years Great. away. Um, but is... Do you know of anything like that in the NWSL? They're expanding to Louisville in the 2021 season. So, that's awesome. I haven't heard of any other talks besides, like I mentioned earlier, the sacramento potentially and i mean they always allude to lafc getting a team but so far only one city's committed which is louisville which i think they have a men's usl team again they're trying to pair the two trying to have crossover yeah so that that's more opportunity because the other thing is there's so many talented women's soccer players that don't get opportunities because there's so many there's only what is it eight teams seven nine teams i mean and then you think about men's soccer how many teams they have in the mls so you have so much more opportunity for people to play and it would push women's soccer for more girls who graduate to continue their careers especially if they don't know what they want to do do you think um you know when we looked at a lot of other sports americans can be kind of the top import that other countries want to bring in but do you do you see a difference with soccer as far as a competition that you need to fight around the world Female or male-based? Let's do female. Yeah, okay. Um, I think some countries are more prideful than others and more some are more welcoming to the idea of Americans. And I think the other problem is the big, for example, the, the Chelsea, they only want the best player in the U.S. So, and they actually also have stricter rules. I know if you want to play in the women's Premier League, you either need to be have an, a dual citizen, like you need a passport, a European passport, or you have to play in 
75% of your senior national team games. So I couldn't even go play over there if I wanted to. <laughs> hmm. So I know that they really are selective. And then the Spanish league, I mean, the Barcelona and Atletico, the top ones are pretty selective. Uh, PSG, I know France is pretty open to American players, but I, like I said, I definitely think they don't give of not the lower caliber, obviously, but the people who don't have that name yet, or who like people like me who are trying to get make my name, they wouldn't look at me right now because I'm not Alex Morgan or Megan Rapino. So we looked at, and this is interesting because we every almost every other sport we look at typically the u.s has the top tier league and soccer is not that case anymore yes and so um so it is actually you would it be almost that you get experience in the u.s only to move on to europe or is that at least something you can consider some people would want to stay but that's definitely a legitimate stepping stone you think i mean i would say my end goal is to play in the nwsl in in the states i want to stay in the u.s but if I got an opportunity at, if I did super well in the NWSL and hey, PSG or Bayern or, or Barca called me tomorrow, oh, I'd be on the plane the next day. But I mean, in terms of my end goal is playing the NWSL because it is, I would say the toughest league because they have a European like uh, tournament every year and it has the top teams from every country come play the, in the US and North Carolina Courage has won the past two years. So that's clearly a statement saying that we are the best team or we have the best league, essentially, in terms of competition. Um, But in terms of credibility, I would say, I mean, everyone knows who Bayern Munich is and Barcelona. So there's that stigma as well. uh, So we know about, you you know, you're playing in um, Costa Rica and you have these um, opportunities in the United States as well as uh, Europe. Do you know of any opportunities in some of the areas that don't necessarily historically dominate in soccer like Asia? No, I haven't really looked into, but I know Japan has a very good league. Not sure about China, but the Japanese women's national team is always pretty good. I mean, they beat us eight years ago and and they won the World Cup that year or the Olympics. I forget which one it was, but yeah, I don't have super interesting going over there but again like if an opportunity arises and i feel it's the right one i definitely will take a leap of fate i'm one of those people who are very impulsive in that sense if i feel it's the right move and that's like why i came to puerto rico because i knew it just felt right at the time whereas when i actually went to spain when i told you i had problems with my visa earlier sort of had a weird feeling going over there i was like is this right which i mean it ended up obviously being right i learned a lot I lived on my own in a foreign country, all that stuff. I got better at soccer, but I had a weird feeling before I went there. But since I came here, I mean, I'm doing super well. I'm loving it. Teammates are great. The weather, can't complain. The competition isn't the best, but um, I get to play two times a day every day. So How's the support really How's the support from fans? It's okay. I know that the team that I'm playing on now Puerto Rico Soul was based in San Juan, the main city, last year. So they just moved to Mayaguez. So I know we're trying to still build a fan base out here. It's about three hours away from San Juan, but we have we do community events. We've done things with kids. We're trying to encourage families to go to the games. I've definitely seen an increase in the fan. What's the word? The fan Fandom. attendance. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But 
I mean, it'll just take a little bit of time, I think. Do you have a guess as to about how many you'd have on average? Here? At a fan, yeah, at a game. When we played by alone, the rivalry team, I would say 200. I mean, it, it's okay. far less than, I mean, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico women's soccer is definitely trying to uh, get up there, especially because you have to compete with the U.S. But I will say it's not about opportunity if for some reason, I mean, my goal is to be on the U.S. national team. But if I lived here for two years and played here, I could be on the Puerto Rico national team. So I think that's also something like Americans oh. don't know. The people that, I don't know, potentially can't make the U.S. women's national team, they could come play here for two years and then be on the Puerto Rico national team. I will say, though, it they can't compete with the U.S. But if we got enough Americans to come over here, I mean, we could give them a run for their money. But again, they're Puerto Rican. They're very prideful. I mean, it is their country. So obviously they don't want us taking over. But I I just thought that that was pretty interesting. So if I ever wanted to do that, I could. Uh, a couple more quick ones here. Some things that we, uh, the people that listen have always wanted to know is whenever we go to discuss a new country is do the athletes feel safe? So generally over there, do you feel safe where you are? Yes, but I'm, I'm smart safe too. So I know not to go on a run by myself. Uh, but the people here, I will say, are just so friendly and super welcoming, especially to Americans, where I felt like in Spain a little bit, it was a little standoffish, obviously, because I my Spanish wasn't great. But here, they want to speak English to you. They're very nice. But I feel generally safe all the time. But my mom just told me, don't go running alone. Nothing good ever happens past midnight kind of thing. <laughs> all true statements. Um, <laughs> Uh, now, th for this one, you don't need to give us details on your specifically, but if you could generally give us an idea of um, women athletes who would go play soccer in um, Puerto Rico, um, is the amount they're making enough to live on when they come back home? No. No. Okay. You can, you can, you can live here, and I mean, they gave me a car. I share a car with a few of my teammates. They put me up in my apartment. And we get bonuses for every time we win a game kind of thing. Okay. So obviously it gives you more incentive to win the games. But in terms of monthly payments, definitely not livable in the U.S. But I only have to really pay for food here. So. Right. And obviously fun excursions or something on a day off. But so when so when you get home, it, it's you got you to gotta find something, probably. I mean, it depends on who the I athlete is. I have but... a part-time job. Okay. So and so that's always I, in the radar. Yes. I mean, it... It just is a little extra cash a month. But well, yeah, and it's just smart. Yeah. And obviously, I'm very thankful I have parents who are able to continue to support me, uh, sure. follow my dreams. Sure. So I'm very, very lucky and fortunate I get to do what I love. And it's a huge part of it is because of my parents. So I can't thank them enough. Uh, you mentioned going on um, excursions with some extra money. Have you been able to do that? <laughs> Yeah, I've been. The, the beaches here are beautiful. I'm a huge fan of the island lifestyle and the slow pace. <laughs> People are super friendly. I mean, I don't love it when I'm in the check checkout line at the supermarket, but in terms of just chilling on the beach and the water is crystal clear blue, you can see right through it. I love to go to the beach, especially since I lived in LA, going to UCLA. I went to the beach a lot. So these beaches are 100 times better, anyways. So. I like to go to the beach with the girls on the weekends. Like we have days after games off. So we'll, we check out a new beach every weekend. So it's super fun because they're all different and 
all of them have different styles. So we do that a lot. Oh, that's exciting. I still need to do a boat cruise, though. I know the second best beach in the world, I'm not sure the island name, is off the is off Puerto Rico, but you have to take a little ferry there. So that's my my big plan. I don't know when I'm going to do that, but I want to do that. Well, I will say we have a lot of listeners from here. The number one beach in the world is in the Philippines. Just a little shout out for oh. them because they're big fans. Woo! So <laughs> I love it. They got to get their credit where it's due. But um, yes. okay, so I want to end here. A question I like to always ask is, and that is, do you think, Claire, that the opportunities for women professional soccer are promoted enough, or do you think there are too many athletes who are unaware? I think too many athletes unaware. I feel like I had to go digging for a lot of things, and especially in the realm of soccer and any sport, you need people who know people. So, I mean, that's also difficult because if you don't know someone who has an opportunity or you don't ask the questions, you're never going to figure them out. I mean, the only reason I'm here is because my assistant coach from UCLA just forwarded me an email and I made the call. Sure. So, just like I said, being your own advocate, being proactive, and if this is what you really want to do, there's no one stopping you. You just have to kind of find that right opportunity. But again, I will say it could be advertised a lot more there needs to be more female soccer agents. I don't know when that'll happen, but probably once the pay goes up (laughs) in Spain and actually here in Puerto Rico, they say poco a poco, which means like little by little. So that's what I think about women's soccer. It's, it's slowly building. And I think in the next 15 years, we're going to see a big up hopefully. Yeah. And I, I do, I do think so too. And I do think it, a lot of that is connected with, I think the same goes true with us men's soccer too. Um, yes. They're growing little by little, and it seems like now they're starting to take leaps. But um, it does look like little by little it's going to be there, which is exciting. It really is. Yes. Um, okay, Claire, is there anything you think you need to add to the li- for the listeners to know a little bit more about women's soccer? No, I think we covered most of it. I think we did there too. were some great questions. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Claire, thank you. Thank you. You know, you always look at when you discuss a new topic that hasn't been covered before, in this situation, women's soccer, you always look to that first interviewee. How are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to really reel us into this topic and show us that there's more that needs to be covered and intrigue us? I think Claire did a great job, and she did. She has definitely intrigued me and my team that we need to revisit women's soccer and the conversation about women's soccer, both in the United States and outside of the United States when talking about opportunities and um, how the leagues are growing or maybe shrinking in some scenarios. Uh, so Claire, great job. Thank you. Um, you've, you've piqued our interest and now we're interested and we believe that there is a mission that needs to be had in, in that topic. I also thank Claire for her honesty and great discussion. Um, I think we had some very productive conversation on the world of women's soccer and even specifically women's soccer in the United States. I think that was good, helpful, great insight. Um, So any of you young female soccer players out there, take some tips from Claire's story. Claire gave you a lot of good insight. Um, If if you'd like to know more, you can um, message us on our Facebook or Instagram page. Instagram is the best way, uh, but Facebook works too. Instagram is Globally Ballin' Official. And then Facebook is facebook.com slash globallyballin. Go ahead and, and shoot us a message if you'd like to um, hear from Claire or you'd like to ask Claire a couple of questions. I'm sure um, just because of what a sheer joy it was to talk with her 
and how nice she was. I'm sure she'd be more than happy happy to help any of you young female soccer players out there with any questions. Um, she was more than willing to help and answer any of our questions, so I'm sure she'd be willing to help you. Shoot us a message if you'd like, and we can help um, get those questions to Claire because um, our mission, again, is to inform you, the athlete, so that you make the right decisions and that you are fully following your dream as, as best possible. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Claire, again, for the wonderful interview and your honesty and and um, your insight. Thank you, fans, for listening. And um, we will you will hear again from us next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow us uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We're on Twitter now. Uh, follow us there. Best place, the most active place. Follow us on Instagram. But it's the most active, easiest way to get a hold of us. It's just all around the best of the three is to follow us on Instagram. So uh, thank you again to all of you who make this possible. We appreciate it very much. And you'll hear from us again next week. Thank you. Thank you all for making it through another episode. A couple things I got a quick run through and then we'll be done. Uh, first, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on our different key platforms. Uh, first, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin. Also, Instagram uh, at globallyballinofficial and then Twitter at globallyballin. The Instagram and Twitter are by far our most active and they're also very different content. They're actually run by different people. So go ahead and make sure you're following both of those and they'll also both alert you for when something new is posted either in the podcast or Patreon, which I'm gonna talk about in just a second. Also, um, when it comes to the Facebook account, the Facebook account seems um, less active and we're aware of that. It's different kind of content and more is coming to the Facebook page. So you'll wanna like it to make sure you're ready when a new wave of different content, which is coming soon, starts to make its way on there, which is exciting. Uh, finally though, is the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and then you search globally ball and you're gonna find our account, $3 a month and with that, you're going to get a couple of things. First, shout out to all the supporters, which is great, which is actually also really good for any of you athletes out there. It's a great way to get your name, your brand, your place where people can find your highlight tapes, all that stuff. That'll be plugged in our episodes, which is great. So if you become a patron um, for the $3 a month, you'll get that. In addition though, what we're really kind of excited about, not that we're not excited about the other one, is that you're gonna get a bunch of extra content. It's going to be different from when I originally recorded this to when you're listening to this now. We're going to keep adding to it. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff. It might just be extra stuff that didn't fit into an episode. And there's also a whole new um, different kind of content called Candid Conversations, which is basically a whole new show that we started. As the name suggests, it's a conversation between me and somebody else. For whatever reason, it doesn't fit into an episode. And if you go check out one of those Candid Conversations, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that $3 a month, you're going to get your shout out and your um, your help to support your brand or get attention to your highlight reel or whatever, plus a lot of extra detailed, fun content in addition to this free podcast. So go and check that out. Refresher, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin, Instagram at globallyballinofficial, Twitter at globallyballin, and uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash, or patreon.com search globally balling and you'll find do the three dollar a month patron if you're interested and get all new content a bunch of additional content uh if that's not for you totally fine we still really appreciate you supporting and listening 
Uh, if you have any suggestions, make sure you send us a message. Again, because we're most active on Instagram and Twitter, that's the best way to send us a suggestion. We'd be happy to listen and um, and try to get anybody in that area and that sport, that country, that topic that'll help you best. So make sure you send us one of those requests. Otherwise, thank you again for listening. You'll hear from us again uh, next week.